to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome back, devotees. This week we have a very special guest, Nikki T of Strictly Homicide. Hey! (laughs) So, we have just been discussing plagiarism and how you should not do it. Never. <laughs> don't don't do it. So if you guys ever think like we probably both think we are probably not citing our sources. I know I have Chicago citation uh, bibliographies because I'm a nerd. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I fully claim my nerdiness of loving citations. I've done citation quizzes for school. That level. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> also, apparently you can't do footnotes in audio format. <laughs> wow, that'd be great. <laughs> oh my god. How weird would that be? If all of a sudden you're just like, ding. You're like, would you like to know where the source is? <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you listen to your Kindle books where you have them reading it to you, it does mention the numbers. Oh, it like, does? Like, so there's a footnotice. Because <laughs> sometimes they don't have some books... On audiobook. And mm-hmm. I want to, I, I don't have time to sit down and read them because I have things to do. So I'm like, oh, this works. And a nice British man reads them to me in a really robotic voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I don't read. I just don't have time. And I'll get one page in and start thinking about what should I be doing? <laughs> isn't that so the truth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to go first and you have true to your podcast in Arkansas crime. Yes. So do you want me to tell them about the podcast first? Yes, please do. <laughs> okay. We will plug at the beginning. We will plug at the end. We can even plug in the middle. <laughs> I, I wrote it down that way. so <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so I'm Nikki T. I cover Arkansas true crime and um, I try to focus on stories or not stories but cases that haven't been discussed a lot in podcast world and most of my cases that I have done have never been discussed so yay well (laughs) so anyways (laughs) you're kind of it's like yay new content to you but then you feel like the victim's families you're like oh I'm so sorry (laughs) yeah so um that's my podcast you can find me on iTunes all those other good places. Strictly Homicide Podcast. Woo-woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you want me to just get started? Yeah, you can just okay. dive in. Okay. So, the case that I am discussing occurred between 1944 and 1945. Um, the case has actually been on my list for a, a really long time. My oldest um, daughter in California asked me to cover this case and she's never lived here she you know she was born and raised in California and um I was like I've never heard of that case how do you know of it (laughs) (laughs) but um I think she watches a lot of the YouTube stuff oh okay yeah I'm I'm too old for that I'm not cool enough (laughs) but oh um, YouTube true crime sometimes is the best because they find these weird facts. It's like podcasting with images and different <laughs> sorts of things you can find. 
when she visited, we, that's like all she watched was mm-hmm. YouTube. And um, I found myself like, huh, <laughs> paying attention oh, yeah. to it. But um, yeah, she heard of it on, I think it it's on a lot of lists, like um, craziest crimes in Arkansas or whatever. Um, oh, I, okay. He was Arkansas's first serial killer. Asi- aside from, I, I don't actually, I'd have to look at the dates but i know the phantom killer was mm. um in southern arkansas too i i don't know if they've ever compared the two i'm sure they have otherwise you know whatever <laughs> but um so i thought it would be fun to do because it's kind of a little bit of history too I, oh you I'm know not, me I'm not, yeah i'm not gonna give you any history but <laughs> i love me some history i love me some murder and my my mother-in-law's a history major so (laughs) we're all reformed in some way where you just sit there and you're just judging people when they're talking about historical things and you're like ah yes a his the worst kind of history people are the people who think they know more than you and aren't willing to just be like i want to see your point of view let me learn from you so yeah you sit there and you 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 judge a little bit but then you're also like you might be like damn it they got a point I didn't think about. <laughs> yeah, happened to me a lot. <laughs> so, um, so I thought it'd be a good one. Um, or it's one of Arkansas's first serial killers. So, yeah, because I didn't check the dates on the Phantom Killer, and I don't know by heart. So, um, so his name is James Wayburn Hall. And, three names, um, never good. Three, yep. yep. <laughs> and um, he had some nicknames. He was known as Big Jim because of his size. Makes me want to call him. Uh, big tuna <laughs> i would just think he, big jim he's actually a short dude they're just like oh there goes big jim he's Isn't four it, foot it's three norm- <laughs> it's normally like that in arkansas too <laughs> but um, and then um so he was five foot ten he i mean he wasn't too big if you ask mm-hmm. me um i think my husband's five ten or six foot somewhere around there yeah. and um 170 pounds he's actually the same exact size as my husband i just realized that. okay bring um, your husband in for comparison <laughs> um and then he was known by red just red they'd call him red hall and um it was because he had wavy red hair <laughs> so he's a ginger he's a giant ginger now this next part i had a hard time believing but i have seen some good looking redheads so he was, I guess, described as dapper looking and was known for his handsomeness. <laughs> it's the 1940s, you know, he could have been like Capone-esque, you know, G-Man <laughs> style. Come on, he could be, could have been dapper. He was decent looking. I have a weird time trying to look at murderers and think of him that way, but he was decent looking. Okay. I couldn't find a colored picture to see his red hair, so it all looked the same. <laughs> Okay, people who do colorized historic pictures, I'm requesting one of this. Like, find him. (laughs) Please colorize it. Please send it to us. We would like to see that ginger hair. There we go. I might be able to go down to the library and find some. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But later in life, and after his death, he'd be known by the nickname of the Arkansas Butcher. Um, I don't feel think that that name really fits because he didn't butcher anyone but whatever anyways he's not like the torso killer where he actually butchered people like yeah that's what i would think of um 
So he was born in Jan, like two days after my birthday, January 28th, nine, but like long before me, <laughs> 1921. Uh, his mom was a housemaker and his father was actually a preacher. They so were... they would have been screwed during the depression is all you're telling me. <laughs> yep. Um, they said his dad did some farming too. So, and um, down in that area... It's known for, like, uh, I don't know if they did rice then, but they mm-hmm. grow rice here a lot. Um. <laughs> I mean, farming is how my grandfather's family actually got through the Depression. He yep. also taught all of us, or at least explained to all of us, how to kill a chicken. Oof. I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, my husband's uh, mom's family, I think, had a farm. And and similar, down in this area, southern Arkansas, you know, um, down there. Uh, so, so his father and mom were extremely strict. They had, he was one of 10 children. Oh God. I know that back in the, in the like thirties and forties and fifties, that that was like normal, but just thinking of having 10 kids makes me want to kill myself. Well, you, you have to think about it. You, if you're, especially if you're farming and it's that natural birth control too. So she, they're probably (laughs) two years apart. Exactly. Something like that. Oh, I couldn't do it. There's, I mean, two is hard. <laughs> but, oh no. Mm-hmm. But I, I know it was different then. So, um, I mean, parenting was different. I know that, uh, especially in the South, that discipline was pretty nasty back then. But um, it was said that one of the beatings that he received from his father actually um, caused him to suffer brain injury. Oh no, uh, we got the first step of the McDonald's triad. Yep. <laughs> and um this information was actually found out later whenever an author Janie Jones um oh my god great name <laughs> who is re- she wrote like a short article on it um and i i use you know i used it for references and everything too um it was in about you magazine she's actually going to write she's in the process of writing a book about him Ooh. And yeah, and so um, she did a lot of research. She interviewed family members and everything, you know, later on and got information I couldn't find. And <laughs> so it was found that he had a brain injury when he was really young, and it was from a beating from his dad. Um, so then when he was around 18, this was 1939, he got married to his first wife. Um, two years later in 1941, they had their son. Uh, the marriage wouldn't last very long. It They divorced two years after their son was born so that they were only married four years. And um, the next year, 1943, he was 22. He was drafted by the Navy. Oh, Navy's not horrible. <laughs> uh-uh, but he was pissed. He did not want to go. <laughs> I mean, I assume many didn't, but... Um... Oh, I'm going to bring up my grandfather again. He... <laughs> enlisted as soon as he could in the marines oh wow he He fought he fought in okinawa and in china oh wow see and that's what i always thought is they they enlisted themselves apparently james was not going to and so they drafted him (laughs) he was miserable he went away to to training and he would try and escape (laughs) so he's colonel clinger is basically what you're telling me from mash (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, he continued <laughs> over and over again to try and escape until he was eventually uh, dishonorably discharged. Uh, they didn't go more into it. I couldn't find anything else, so I don't know if it was because of the attempts at escaping mm-hmm. or if something else happened. I'm um, guessing he peeled a lot of potatoes because he kept messing up. They're just like, uh-uh, you escaped again. Here's a bag of 500 potatoes. Go have fun. And hey, that might have pushed him off the edge. No. <laughs> if you peeled a lot of potatoes with a really bad potato peeler, <laughs> that's enough to make you homicidal. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Oh. <laughs> um, uh. So only six weeks later, um, he only he only went for six weeks out of the eight. He returned back to Little Rock. And, oh, he must have um, done something real bad to get dishonorably discharged that quick. So I I assume he definitely was trying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, just think about it. That he when did he get drafted? It was forty three. Yeah, we're real desperate for men because unlike Russia, we do not have a lot of men to just throw at the problem. We have a decent, we got a decent number of men to throw at the problem, but not as many. So they're, the navies needs men, like in all the like the branches need men. They're like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. And th- that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, I don't think that's why he was discharged. And um, he later tell says why, but it still doesn't go into detail. And so I tried to find <laughs> why. I'm sure. I could if I searched real hard, but I don't have that. <laughs> You'd have to contact the Navy and do a, like a Freedom Information Act, and then they'll be like, "Why are you? Why do you need this?" And you're like, "Because I have a true crime podcast." Then they'll then question you... me. No. <laughs> I go on a list. Let's not lie. Anyone who has a true crime podcast is probably already on a list. Oh, I'm already on a list. I long ago. I already know my mother's on a list. It's fine. That's a story for off. Mike, she. Let's just oh, say, K- Kitty Foreman has been searched twice by um, two different countries' TSS. Oh my mom, no! My mother looks like Kitty Foreman from that '70s show. That's that reference. Oh, how funny! <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, that, I don't know what he did, but he did. <laughs> he did something real good that was real bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, he was back in Little Rock in uh, six weeks later. And then um, that following year, uh, it was March of 1944, he decided to marry his second wife, 19-year-old, um, I think it's Faye Renee, which is really oh pretty, but I've never heard it before. <laughs> so um, oh, don't, might... don't make your kids' names rhyme. So don't do I'm... it. I may um, say it with a little chuckle every time because it's just not a name I say very often. <laughs> no. um, but right from the start, their relationship was doomed. Um, they fought all the time. And only just a couple months after getting married, they separated. It was just a small separation, but um, on again, off again, on again, you know, those kinds. A great relationship is what you're telling me. It's a stable relationship. They loved each other. They just needed little breaks. They definitely didn't threaten each other and have co- the cops called on them. Why picket fence? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, not even a year into the marriage, uh, it was September 14th, 1944, and they were on during this time. They decided to attend a dance. So, I thought 
at first I read they were going dancing because that's what you think of, but no, they were going to attend a dance, <laughs> which is just pretty. It's so cute. <laughs> Don't you wish they still had dances though, where you could go and meet a boo or something like that? And like, oh, like your bow, and you're like, oh, I gotta go pick like anyone who's watched um, the Ella Fitzgerald mini or show on Amazon. They go to dances, and that's where she meet you meet the guys, and you have a great time. Um. So they were going to a dance at a place called Rainbow Garden, and her friend Katie was going with them. Can I just say that sounds like a gay nightclub? That's exactly what I thought. And I was like, <laughs> Arkansas, really? Nice. But then I was like, no, this is 1944 Arkansas. Who am I kidding? No. <laughs> it's secretly I, that. It's secretly I'd that. I'd go to Rainbow Garden for sure. Oh, it sounds like a really, it doesn't sound like a club. It actually sounds like a lounge or something where you can relax and hear music and maybe there's a drag show brunch Mm. oh for sure we should start that (laughs) (laughs) problem we live in two separate parts of the country damn it (laughs) um so while they were at the dance at the rainbow garden uh they got into a fight so it wasn't relaxing for them apparently um but they always fought so i don't think it was anything different but this was the night she told him she was going to leave him oh no that's a trigger warning we're i'm I'm gonna get my invisible red flag and i'm gonna wave it yes um and so but you know this is 1944 in the south and you know she has to do and say is (laughs) (laughs) she has to be the submissive wife and you know be like she's in the help i get it so i mean you it had to have been pretty bad for a woman to stand up for herself like that it if you really think about it you know Um, yeah especially if you had a history of divorce so there's already that baseline of something's not right so she could have gotten a second divorce probably actually easier than the first wife oh yeah and you know i mean because divorce wasn't that common then and it, it I, I can imagine it wasn't common here at all. So I assume that it was pretty bad with him. And he, the, this, you know, of course, pissed him off. And um, the friend witnessed him, you know, yelling and them fighting and everything. And a little after midnight, they took uh, Katie home, the friend. And that was actually the last time that she saw Faye Renee. Oh, no. So she, like, yeah, she really remembers what she was wearing, too. Uh, she had on like the tiniest details she had on this red dress and she said that the buttons were so unique that she couldn't forget them that will actually come in really handy towards the end um so don't you wish they would have been like you know what you just got in this giant fight with your husband stay with us go back when you both cool down that's what people do now they're just like okay yeah take some time apart if you're gonna have to go back like Let's give you some time so one of you isn't still really mad. I can't imagine sending a friend home with, you know, but um, different times. (laughs) I don't want to keep saying that, but it's literally you got to save face. It's you don't get it. You don't get in between what's going on at home. It's their their problems. Will you eavesdrop? Little town too. It was yeah, really small town. It was um, Enola, Arkansas. I think I forgot to mention that. So it was a really small town, so you can imagine. Oh, everyone's listening, it. and they have their magnifying glasses watching them, but they're not going to help them. Nope, not at all. Um, it's, it's not my business. It's not my business, but I'm going to tell you what I heard. 
Yep. They just turn a blind eye. It's, it's insane to me. And But, you know, it's really sad because a lot of that generation still do that, like, big time. But, so, I forgot to mention the town. So, he grew up in Enola, Arkansas. So, that is um, in southwest Arkansas, kind of not far from um, uh, Texarkana. Okay. So, um, okay. So, they dropped Katie off and left. And um, no one, no one heard from her, talked to her, saw her, anything after that. And um, two weeks later, like, I guess, see, to me, if we don't hear from my mother-in-law or my mom mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm not even close to my mom, but I do hear from her, you know, ever so often. Um, but it, they lived in the same town and it's hard to imagine them going two weeks without talking to her. But I don't know the situation. So, but. But two weeks later, um, you should, that, everyone should have that friend you check in with yeah. every day. Let's yes. not lie. Mine is Heather from Nature versus Narcissism. We also <laughs> live 15 minutes apart, so it's easy. You guys are lucky. <laughs> I know. We discovered it and we're like, oh, this is dangerous. Oh, this is yeah. real dangerous. <laughs> there have been jokes made by her husband that I'm moving in or something like that because I was over so much at a point. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So, yeah, like, two weeks later, no one looked into it. And I guess he was trying to cover his tracks. And so he went to his in-law's house and told his father-in-law that she just took off and deserted him on September 25th. Um, Isn't it always the case? Oh, she just, in her ran away. her feminine rage, she fled. In 1944, <laughs> no one fled. The, no, no. So, yeah, so her family, of course, immediately contacted the, um, and They were a little bit stitious. Yes. They weren't Um, superstitious, just a little bit stitious. Yeah, exactly. Uh Uh-huh. And so the police opened up, like, an investigation and started looking Mm -hmm. into it, but I read, and I don't know how much truth there is to this, but I read that, like, it was closed immediately, and they declared her a runaway- Due to her promiscuous behavior, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna object she, with the fuck that she could have been showing some leg in 1944 Arkansas, and they thought that I don't know I don't know what they mean I don't know if that's true I could see it happening especially in the South especially then who knows but, it's just it's just how they if they couldn't define a woman or she wasn't conventional housemaker yeah. like popping out kids she ran away oh. I heard she she socialized with men. She could have gotten coffee with a friend, mm-hmm. a, a male friend, and that was mm, solid there. So there wasn't really much of an investigation. Um, and then it didn't help. Around Christmas time, her relatives received a Christmas card signed oh, by oh, her. Oh, no, no, no. He- po- <laughs> Postmarked, of all places, from Bakersfield, California. <laughs> Now, I don't even know if you know where that's at, but I grew up in California. And that's like, you know what? I don't, I never went to Bakersfield. I didn't like it. <laughs> but it's just the most random place. It's, it's okay. Um, How did he yeah. get the letter there? I have no clue. This, I was like, Talent. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, 
there was no pictures of it or anything like that. And um, supposedly he borrowed it or something and lost it. That could could totally be hearsay, too. So, you know. uh, Sure, sure. He borrowed it. (laughs) He took Uh, it back. He kept it. He, He, like, stared at it every night and goes... He just wanted to smell it. <laughs> I got away with this. <laughs> uh, and so during this whole time, there's no more investigation really going on. And his stories that he kept telling the community and the neighbors and his in-laws and relatives just kept <laughs> changing. Because, you know, it's hard to keep a story straight when you're lying. <laughs> you need so, a little note card? Yeah, right? She fled. She did not like being with me anymore. I don't know where she went. <laughs> um, so, you know, during the next, so like, you know, his story just kept changing. People were really fishy about it, but but like nothing was being done by the police department. So, but then during the next few months, it would almost seem like Arkansas had a serial killer. They did, but um, <laughs> they never connected it to her at first. They never tried to connect it to her disappearance. So it's almost like just completely move on to January 29th of 1945. Some loggers found an abandoned car in Camden, Arkansas, which is um, in the southwest part of the state. So it's just um, right near Enola, where he grew up. Not far. I think it it was like 20 minutes. I I don't know for sure. But when they they found the car, they... um, the loggers, they got closer to the car and they noticed that there was a man like slouched over the steering wheel. And as they got to the car, they noticed that he was dead and he had been shot in the heart just one time. Uh, <laughs> they used his fingerprints to identify him and he was identified as a Camden barber named Carl Hamilton. He'd been day- dead for days when they found him. They they didn't really have a... I guess they didn't have a reason. I'm totally doing air quotes. To connect the, <laughs> to connect the cases. But when someone goes missing and three months later, they find a dead person, I would have to, you know, but... And there's not really a lot of dead people showing up. Also, can we please say... Yay, loggers for being a, an unrecognized <laughs> finder of bodies. We don't think yes. about them finding bodies a lot it's normally joggers not loggers yeah and imagine i mean there's a lot of forest land around here too and i think every time someone's hiding a body for some reason it's always by the river in a full in a in the woods every time (laughs) get creative i i swear i drive by some of these woods and i just look and i go baby there's so many dead bodies in there and he's like you're so weird So, so they didn't connect it at all, which to me, there's so many red flags, especially like you said, you know, how many dead bodies are in Camden, Arkansas. Obviously enough that it wasn't red flaggy. They weren't putting on the mountain of nope. There's just a single red flag. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, um, just a few days later on February 1st, um, E.C. Adams of Humboldt, Kansas, was on his way to his job in Little Rock. They found, he didn't show up at work, and then his car was found abandoned in Fordyce, Arkansas. And I asked my husband if I said that right, and he said yes, because you know I'm not a native. So, I always say the names weird. 
<laughs> but he said that's how you say it. So <laughs> it's um and it's about thirty miles north of Camden. So we're kinda going in a you know upward started, trajectory. Yeah, he started at the bottom of the state and was starting to move his way up. <laughs> um so they searched the area this time you know, again and um he was found near some bushes. And he had a single bullet to his head. So we got a shot to the heart, and now there's a rock song's playing in my head, and then a shot to the head. <laughs> shot in the heart. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, the first time you said that, I was just started singing, and I was like, don't, don't start singing. I think when I was typing it, I said it in my head, and I did the same thing. <laughs> so I love it. You you that. We're totally showing our age now. <laughs> oh. I love 80s music. Oh, yeah. Um, So now, a few days later, on February 6th, Doyle Mulherin, I bet you. That's an unfortunate Um, name. Yeah. Doyle, too. I'm sorry, I won't. Not disrespecting, it's the combination of the two. Like, a Doyle with a good last name would be fine. His last name with a good, like, a simple first, like, yeah. It's a real old name, too. That's Mm -hmm. what I think of. I think of a grandpa. Um. So he was reported missing uh, after he missed work because he was a truck driver and they were expecting a scheduled delivery. They found his vehicle in Stuttgart, Arkansas, which is 75 miles northeast of Fordyce. So we're still going north and a little to the east. (laughs) Um, Funny, Stuttgart is known as the... Oh, shoot. Is it the rice capital of the world or the duck capital of the world? or so? I think it's the duck capital of the world. It's like huge for duck calling and hunting. I don't I'll do that stuff. It's just I weird. Either. I know that. Was the stuff still in his truck, though? That's the question. Because if he stole his <laughs> stuff, that's just rude. On top of know. murdering the driver, you stole his load. Like, that's just. <laughs> no, I don't know if he stole. I don't know if he stole the stuff that he was. I don't even know what he was delivering. I think I, I think it was meat. So I would assume. Oh God, no! God, no! That's gonna smell horrible. (laughs) Um, There's probably bears. Yeah, I don't know. Are there bears in Arkansas? Oh yeah, it's a natural state, so it's like all. I mean, I don't know if they're like right in Little Rock, (laughs) but like. You know, you go up to the um, Ozarks and they're up there. Yeah, there, there's going to definitely be some bears, probably some big cats, raccoons. Trash pandas will definitely be there. <laughs> yep. And it will smell like death. Oh, it's going to smell. So I, maybe he took. They performed another search and, um, you know, in the area and they found his body close by with one single shot to his head. So we've moved from the shot to the heart to the shot to the head and we cannot keep singing that song yeah and i'm sad I, I think that's why he did it no wait bon jovi wasn't even born no <laughs> or was he no, <laughs> no I, yeah he was probably like he's what he got big in the 80s so he could have been born late 50s so yeah probably not born yet i don't know when bon jovi was born i'm just doing civil mental math i don't even know how old he is <laughs> um but so so yeah it was a he went to for the head again this time um his employer did tell them that he should have had $125 cash on him because I guess they gave it to him for whatever reason. Oh, for probably for stopping for gas. Which, and... which seems like a lot back then, but... Probably hey. for the round trip. 
Yeah, maybe. But they they said no when they found him. His wallet was empty. So he, of course, stole the money, Um, which later on you'll find that he did that. You know, he got the wallets and tried to steal whatever he could from all of them, Mm -hmm. except his wife. Um, He already had her money. What what she she owned was his legally. (laughs) So... There seems to be, like, a a time period where um, nothing happens uh, for just, I mean, just a couple couple weeks. But early March, another car was found in Heber Springs. Now, this is 90 miles north of Stuttgart. So, it's a little bit further, but it's still going north. Um, And then it is, I actually just did senior, I can't talk. I actually just did senior pictures in Heber Springs, and it took me... I think an hour and a half to drive there from North Little Rock. So it's up Is it there. really mountainous? Um, yes. It's really okay. pretty and lake. There's a pretty lake and yeah, it's real Okay. Pretty. So um, it's kinda isolated then too with the mountains and oh, all that. Yeah. It, it's even a small town now. And okay. um so back I could imagine back then it was very, very tiny. So um mm-hmm. so he he abandoned the car and he set it on fire. And so when they found the car that had been set on fire, uh, they looked in the back seat and there was an incarcerated body. And it was of J.D. Newcomb Jr. from Little Rock, hmm. um, who was a boiler inspector. You gotta, you know, you gotta make sure your boiler, it's probably the old school boilers too. So if you don't heat them properly, there could be an explosion. Yeah, and it, and it said it was a state boiler operator so our inspector so i assume uh you know it was kind of the same situation where he didn't show up at work they didn't say they just you know they found a car that had been set on fire and then him inside they didn't know it was him right away of course because um and then they had to identify him from his dental charts that's just crazy i mean you you would want to think someone didn't notice he was at work but i work with a lot of inspectors if he goes out for like they all come to the office in the morning and then they go out yeah you might not see him one day if they don't come in i'm not gonna lie those guys are constantly texting they're constantly Mm -hmm. checking in with each other it's ridiculous well that's good though yeah they've they've been concerned about me a couple times when i'm not in they're like you weren't in yesterday where were you (laughs) i'm like they're all their daughter's ages so they're just like are you okay everything's okay like yes (laughs) That's good, though. (laughs) I can work great with construction, guys. (laughs) Now, I know there wasn't phones back then and everything, but I I assume with a job like that, he he had to do the same and, and, you know, report in every... Oh, yeah. He probably had a report in after, like, either when he got to the job after it was done to just make sure, like, okay, this is what we're doing. Like, I'm on to the next job. You can call those people and tell them I'm on my way. Yep. Why not? Um, So then... I think this was like the day before. No, no, no. It was a a couple days before, maybe. Um, James was arrested uh, after being involved in a bar fight. He pled guilty to simple assault and was just fined $106.90. That's a Uh, lot for a fine at that point. (laughs) But during this arrest, never, nothing was brought up about his wife's disappearance at all. That's so, weird. I'm sorry. That's actually, yeah. you know what? Let's not blame old school cops because no. they didn't have they didn't have the foresight. We have this foresight now. Yes, for sure. And I I, I get it. I mean, we are a small state, but um, 
I'm pretty sure they they were looking at each of those murders and they were all men, like every mm-hmm. one of them was men. So I, I would assume, you know, they wouldn't just put two and two together um, until, until a tip came in. Ooh, I love me some tips. So an acquaintance of his called in and told them that on January 28th, which was the day that the first, the day before the first one was found, Mr. The one in Camden. Mr. Carl Hamilton. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the acquaintance said that he let him borrow his car and he returned it the next day on the 29th. But he said that inside the glove compartment, there was a loaded pistol and it was missing one single round from the clip. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'm assuming that this person also knew what kind of person James was and started maybe putting two to two two and two together you know what i mean because yeah I assume he was a real dick <laughs> so, what? Um, <laughs> you've described a gentleman and a scholar yes he's dapper <laughs> so um they get the tip you know and they they they're taking it serious especially realizing that his wife was missing and the acquaintance tells him that he thinks that james left little rock and was headed to conway which is um about I don't know the mileage, but it's like a 40-minute drive to Conway North. So so this was March 15th, almost three months after, she, no, uh, three months and a day after she went missing. Mm-hmm. And um, they got him. They found him. They arrested him. Okay. So there was a news article that I found, a clipping, like old school. And um, Oh, I love, give it to me. Yes. I love some old school newspaper clipping. <laughs> My so, bread and butter. In the clipping, they um like put everything in there, which I I was like, God, I, I don't know that they would put all that in there nowadays, but who knows? Oh, they but used to it, publish addresses. Oh, it must have been. They were like juice. <laughs> so I'm gonna read it. It's word for word. It's in quotes. This was a newspaper article. I couldn't uh, who wrote it, but I'll send it to you. Um, um they didn't always publish the author on old newspapers it was like a clipping too so i don't know what newspaper but it was i'm sure it was an arkansas one <laughs> so they, they said when the cops arrested him mm-hmm. that this was what he told them i'll tell you all about it i killed them all i married a conway girl and we were divorced after more than four years we have a little two-year-old and i'm crazy about him I was drafted into the Navy in 1943 and was discharged after six weeks service because of indifference. I don't know what that means. That's what he said. I didn't That's say that. a BS excuse. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> I really love that he went, I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, back. I married Faye, Cle- uh, Faye Renee of Lona Clements. Of, sorry, he said her full name. Of Lone Oak on March 22nd of last year. Did I say March 14th or March 22nd? I think I said 22nd. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. She was 19. I was crazy about her. But we soon began having trouble. I think it was last August that I decided I had enough of it. So I took her out to the... August? That's way off. I don't know why it says August because this happened in December. Or he, he could be lying. Or was it September? Yeah, September. Okay, never mind. I'm thinking of when she sent the Christmas card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways okay 
So he said, I think it was August, um, but it was actually, but because um, it was that 14th when yes. the friend was with him. Okay. I think it was last August that I decided I had enough of it. So I took her out to, I took her out the old river road near Riverside Golf Course, led her off into a ravine on the banks of the river and beat her to death with my hands. Oh my God. Yes. This was the, this was the part that I was telling you was kind of depressing. I didn't like it, but this is what he said. This was his confession. So, um, he goes on, I must've hit her more than 20 times on the head. I didn't cover her or make any effort to hide her body. No, it never bothered my conscience. So this tells me he's a fucking monster. Like he has no empathy, nothing Uh -uh, at all. Um, and then he would brag to the cops about how he hitchhiked and murdered the people that would pick him up. And he was quoted saying, it's not the way you wiggle your thumb or the gesture you make. It's all in the look you give the driver. Ah, creep. Like, that actually makes a lot of sense, though, because you want to look really inviting, really friendly. He's yes. a bigger dude. You don't want to pick him up if he looks. So he was like practicing. Oh, God, that just it gives me the. Ugh. But that also so explains how he got, like, he kept moving northeast. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, the, that, the writer, the author, Janie, was um, comparing him a lot to all of the highway killers, you know, that yep. there has. Um, and so. I wonder if he yeah. was one of the first highway killers. Uh, definitely, for sure. Um, now, I don't know what, what roads they were picking him up on, though, so, mm-hmm. but. Arkansas is just all highways, so, um, so yeah, so I mean, he just he was practicing. It was like a almost like a job to him. Mm. So, um, so he you know admitted to all of them. He told he told them admitted to to every one of them in the order. And then he also said that when he was seventeen, which was seven years prior, he murdered a black woman in Salina, Kansas. That's all he would tell him. He wouldn't go into detail. He just, that's all he would tell him. So, I'm trying um, to figure out. Kansas isn't even that close. Well, it, um, and I looked up, I'll mention it a little bit down, which will really get, you know, make you think how many people did he kill? <laughs> I looked it up. It is pretty close to Northwest Arkansas. Um, so up in the corner of the state. Uh, so, um, and I think there's, well, there's an air force, or not an air force, a base there because it mentions it here. But I don't know if that's where he went. I don't know for sure. But and he was 17, so that wouldn't have been when he was enlisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, so then he took the police around to all the crime scenes, including where he buried his wife. Uh, they found human remains in the hole that he pointed to, the dress that she was wearing, which her friend Katie identified and then testified to it. Um, A pair of her shoes and wisps of human hair. So to top it all off, a farmer that was nearby saw them searching this area. Mm -hmm. And later he took a skull into the police and was like, I found this in the hole y'all were searching. Like, sir, and you you just thought you'd turn it in. (laughs) So, I'm sorry, I find a skull. I'm like, mm, this is weird. Probably should turn yeah. this back in. So I don't know if he, like, found it, took it home. I mean, I can't imagine he thought it was an animal, but in this <laughs> hole with the dress and shoes, did he not? Anyways, okay. He, it's none of his business. 
it's that's none of I his forgot. business. It ain't his business. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't have the twang, so I'm real bad at it. <laughs> I don't have the twang either. I'm from Ohio. <laughs> Some people tell me I sound like a mix, like a, a, a Arkansas with a twang, but with a California accent. And I'm like, no, I sound like a Californian. I refuse. I refuse. No. I speak Clevelandese, apparently. You know, he confessed. And um, his trial started in May of that year. Arkansas fast. And oh, especially he, trials at this point? You in and out and executed within two weeks. Yeah, no, he, yeah, and they, they're fast. <laughs> so um, he actually pled not guilt by reason of insanity. <laughs> So, they had him observed in the um, state hospital, and the doctor testified that he wasn't insane, that he knew his right from wrong, he knew what he was doing, you know, and I mean, it wasn't flying. <laughs> it's not an Ed Gein situation, is what you're mm-hmm. telling me. Yes. He never testified during the trial, but um, many witnesses that, he, that heard him confess testified. Uh, it took two days. And the jury found him guilty and sentenced him to death by electrocution on May 14th. He tried to appeal, claiming that his confession he made was not admissible and that he was insane. But you volunteered it, sir. Sir. Right. Yeah. And that's what witnesses said was that, you know, he volunteered his his confession and there's no way. Um, So... It, it it's shocking to me, but it didn't take long this time for Arkansas to put Big Jim to death. He was strapped into the electric chair on January 4th. So right before his, I think, 24th birthday, 25th. Oh, I, I can't do the math in my head right now. Um, so right before his birthday. And um, while he was walking to the electric chair, he was smiling and laughing and joking with the employees. And so they set him in the electric chair and start strapping him in. And he looks at them with a smirk on his face and says, boys, I'm not afraid. I can take it. Sir, you murdered five people. Like, don't be fucking laughing. No, and that's that's the murders that he confessed to them. Oh, there's more so but wait it gets worse it gets so much worse now there's no confirmation of course this is just um the um the right that author is actually the one who kind of felt like these that he could have been the one to do this but in october of 1944 so um that was right after he got married that year yeah Mm -hmm. Um, Charles Nipper from Lowell, Arkansas, which is in Northwest Arkansas, was hitchhiking in McPherson County, Kansas. So that is 320 miles Northwest of Lowell, Lowell, Arkansas, only 37 miles South of Salina, Kansas, which is where he said that woman he murdered was. So there's some, he's in that area for some reason. Okay. So Salina... So, Salina, Kansas is, is west of Kansas City. I couldn't find it. I was so confused. I've been yeah. I'm on Google Maps. I'm a map oh, I person. Did this, I did the same thing. I, ha- I had to look them up, too. 
Um, and so there's a military base there, and Charles was in the military, and so they think that okay. he was hitchhiking maybe from his home, his home area, back to the military base. Um, a Kansas osteopath doctor, M.E. Lambert, they're all initials, picked him up. He was murdered, too. So they found both of the guys in the car. Each of them was shot three times, though, which is different. So he could have been learning. This is the first time he really acted upon it. Yes, because, um, or, uh, yeah, because it was the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would be learning, yeah, for sure. Um, so they were both shot three times. And um, so the author, uh, Janie, is the one who, who put the two and two, you know, two and two together. And whenever he was traveling with the cops, the cops said that they asked him, so you killed about a dozen people? And he said, no, it was more like 24, not 12. Oh, damn. So once, you know, everything, he was caught and he confessed and everything and the word got out, police from other states started calling in and would come in and question him about unsolved killings that they had. You know what's crazy? This sounds like what uh, you would think of for uh, criminal minds, like the behavioral analysis unit and the FBI, but they weren't concerned about this at this point. They were Mm-mm. looking for people robbing banks and stuff like that. But if oh, you're yeah. murdering across state lines, which we really don't see that, I mean, you'd come and play for robbery and then kidnapping with the Lindbergh baby, like, but murder, you had to, it had to be a big name. And he wasn't murdering big name people. He was just murdering one or two oh, common yeah. people. Yep. Um, so he also said, he also admitted to, but, you know, it was never really looked into or whatever, um, to murdering a man in San Marcos, Texas in 1944. It didn't say when, it just said 44. And then he said between the years of, uh, 1938 and 1944 that he murdered 10 migrant workers from Arizona. I can't really put connections on where he is you know the whole time but it seemed like he literally was hitchhiking around u.s murdering people he would offer clues and and hint to things but then he would just you know stop talking he was definitely toying with him he was a sick person he's an israel keys if we should say to compare to a new one he like he you know he like they know the cops want the information but they're like "Mm, what's gonna do for me he definitely reminded me a lot of Israel Keys, for sure. Um, so so he also, um, when people would say something like, like, you know, even though he pled, you know, insanity, when people would actually, like, say to him, oh, he's mentally ill or something like that, he would take offense to it. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, it just, he it didn't make any sense, but he did not like people telling him that. He was pretty proud of what he did, and I... I think he was just trying to get off the hook from being ah, caught. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, you know, it was said that he would even murder people for, like, cigarettes. And, you know, the most he got out of all of the murders was, like, $300. And that's, like, total. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. Um, that's not worth killing people. Mm-mm. So another – now, that's it. There was no – there's no more. <laughs> but – one thing that I found real interesting about this is um, they made comic books 
<laughs> what? Apparently, back in the day, they had comic books that were true crime stories. Oh, I believe it. We've all been true crime fans since humanity. We're all busybodies. We all yep. want to know. Jack the Ripper was popular because he murdered someone. I can tell you numerous ca- like there are numerous historic cases where people are like, "Did you hear so and so murdered his wife?" And they'd yep. go to the courthouse. It's just it wasn't books. It wasn't popular media. It was a news couple news stories, and then it would fade. Yep. Or because then, people can read. Apparently, they had a bunch of them. Um, he was in one called Crime Does Not Pay. It was called James Wayburn Hall, the Arkansas Killer. <laughs> and um, the other one was called James Wayburn Hall, the Arkansas Butcher. And that one was put out by, I think it was Fox. Mm. <laughs> and called uh, Murder Incorporated. I don't think he's... He, butcher's <laughs> not correct, because he isn't a butcher. Not he really at all. Only, he butchered his wife a little bit. That's I would what, say it was a little confusing to me as to why they call, called him that because I didn't find it that he he was butchering anyone but um I guess that was I have no it's, idea. It's the go-to <laughs> think about it, it's the kind of the go-to like moniker. I would say more he's um the hitchhiking killer. Mm-hmm. The hitchhiker killer, you know, like he's hitchhiking and killing people. Oh yeah, for sure. And and he enjoys it. It's it's not definitely just for robbery and money and you no know, he enjoyed it and and the way he was real cocky about it it's just it's disgusting <laughs> so yeah if you want to look up the um comic I'll I'll send you a link <laughs> oh please do they're so weird and they're not like dead on you mm-hmm. know because I compared it to the police or the uh, court documents and stuff but I just couldn't believe someone actually actually did that. <laughs> You know, it's the end of the war period. You got to have something new, shiny to show people. But right. do you want to do you want to plug your show? <laughs> so, if anyone else hasn't listened to my show and would like to hear about some Arkansas true crime, you can um, find me on any podcatcher. Um, I think I'm on Spotify, iTunes. Um, I use Podcoin because I like to earn <laughs> my little pod points for listening. But um, yeah, iTunes, anything like that. You can, um, I have a website. It's uh, strictlyhomicidepodcast.com. You can find me on all social media, um, Facebook, Twitter, all the good stuff. <laughs> and then next week, we'll be back with me probably ruining everyone's day again (laughs) including mom yay (laughs) bye bye are you getting sick and tired of hearing about ted bundy maura murray the golden state killer west memphis three check out strictly homicide podcast a true crime show that discusses cases out of the natural state and even though it's arkansas We won't be covering the West Memphis Three or the Boys on the Track anytime soon. So check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podcoin, or basically wherever you listen to all your favorite shows. You can also find us on all social media platforms. And as Mr. T would say, I pity the fool that doesn't listen to Strictly Homicide.
Jamie Lannister's such a compelling character. What is the best time machine from a movie? Why did Michael Scott need three vasectomies? To find out the answer to all these questions and so much more, check out a podcast about something. Each week on a podcast about something, we dive deep into whatever we find interesting. From movies and TV to sports and paranormal, we explore it all. Listen and subscribe to a podcast about something on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at APA something or check out our website, a podcast about something.com. And always stay classy. Of domesticity, we're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word, or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at Domestic Podcasts, and our Instagram is at The Cult of Domesticity. We also have podcast merch at Threadless. Uh, as well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcasts at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free. Mm-hmm.